Yeah, the, I feel like American culture when it comes to race is very dominant. Well, I think American culture full stop is very dominant, right? Movies, music. Um, and so I feel like, especially when we talk about race and racial identity, um, America sort of leads the way now. So there's this idea that yes, because uh, England is the mother country, um, England uh, and Europe in general invented like race as a social construct, um, but that, that we are somehow more influential. Um, and in some ways we are, I'm sure, but I definitely think that America um, has more reach in terms of influence. So what I found really interesting about TikTok is having a British perspective and how I, that sort of comes up against American perspectives and how sometimes people just don't understand what I'm saying at all. Um, and even just the other day, somebody who was about my age, I think, on TikTok, but lives in, I think, in, in Philly, was saying, you know, what box do you, what box do mixed race people tick? Like, do you tick multiple boxes? And that's when I realised, oh, mixed race is still not a box in some states, you know, like on forums. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not. Um, so here's what we have. Hispanic, non-Hispanic. Mm -hmm. White, black, other, native. So literally, when I um, when I have to tick a box, I will literally put either other and write Irish and black. Like I'm very clear about that. Okay. Or if they don't have the other box, I put the black and white. Always, I do it for my children as well because okay. I want that on record. Like I think that that's part of. You're right. American culture is dominant when it comes to race issues, right? Like, so yes, we recognize that Europe were the first colonizers, right? Like they go the Roman crusades, all of that. And I think the 1400s kind of started race. Yeah. But America took the concept of race and said, hold my beer. Mm -hmm. and, like, and, like, and they were like okay we're gonna enslave people make them actual property right because people i do enjoy listening to your british perspective because i don't think because america is so nationalist it keeps us so closed in that we really believe that our views and our life are the only ways and when we get other purviews we can open up you know what i mean yeah i, I think Sorry, I was going to say my interaction with a lot of Americans is that they they say you no know, race is the same everywhere. Race I'm is like no, no, it's not, and it really isn't. And so my thing is, so I was born in 1989, and I was born in Liverpool in the northwest of England, and Liverpool is actually home to the oldest uh, black community in the in the country, which is very cool. Um, awesome, but also obviously kind of sad when you think about the timelines and circumstances. But Liverpool was was um a part of the transatlantic slave trade triangle, right? So um, the, the port there was a big part in that. Um, but so when I was growing up in Liverpool, uh, I was considered to be black, right? The, the, there were no terms for mixed race people that weren't derogatory then. So I was considered black. In, in fact, anybody, if you had a surname, like if, if your second name was, um, a family name that people knew to be like a well-established or long-standing black family, even if you were white presenting, you were considered black, right? Which I'm sure in, in America, you know, when you think about the one drop rule, it would have been the same. Um, but obviously we didn't have the one drop rule here, but the way that we were perceived, if you had a black parent, you'd be black. And then when I, when I got into my like early teens, mixed race started to appear as a box on forms. 
I remember even as a kid, we never really talked about the nuances between like mixed race and, and, and monoracial. I remember looking at forms and being like, so am I black British because I'm British and I'm black, like, does that mean mixed race? Or, but I am black, Afri black African because my, my mum's mum is from Ghana. And I was just so confused <laughs> um, trying to find myself in a box, but ticking multiple boxes was never an option. Like it didn't ever, it didn't ever say like tick all that apply. It was like tick one. And it was very clear about that. Like if you ticked more than one, you were doing it wrong, right? So mm -hmm. I ticked, I think I'm I ticked. Not one rules, so I break the, it does say pick one, but no. Yeah, and you know what? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm annoyingly, I'm not saying I'm good at following rules, but I'm annoyingly like, uh, I have to really know something before I can break the pattern from it, if that makes sense. So as a kid, I was yeah, like, absolutely. I have to tick just one. Um, and then it was only when I got older that, that mixed race was on forms, but even then it felt like a technicality. Like I felt like, oh, cool. I'm like, I'm represented on a form now, but I still didn't feel any less black, right? Um, and then when I got older and I moved from Liverpool to London, all of a sudden, everybody was very like interested in what I was in a way that I'd never had before. May I ask what year did you move to London? So I moved to London in 2006. Okay. So I, I, was... I asked that because on the, you know, I give uh, the podcast questionnaire just to kind of get an idea and that, and I really like the way you said, like it kind of like race depends on what year you were born, right? Because uh -huh. like here in America, you know, we were Negroes, colored, uh african americans and now like black and i was born in 79 so there was really no term for myself either right. in america it was mulatto and i said it as if like people automatically knew and the technical term for mulatto is um like black a black person with a europe uh, with another person from like european descent i did not find out until i was older that mulatto was really a derogatory term in italian and i was like oh hmm. but that was it for me until i actually went to england and i lived there and they have this little black irish and i was like <laughs> it is me it is me and i was like this is like the best place on earth right because like representation does matter but yeah. i did live there in 2005 and i i that's why i asked okay. why you know what year was that because when i moved there like little mixed babies were like pocketbooks every mm -hmm. british mom had a mixed kid and i was like i want to live here forever because <laughs> i don't look so out of place right like it didn't it was growing up when i grew up in america mm -hmm my family did not look like anybody else's right. family at mm -hmm. all so anyway wanted to yeah that. and you know what that's that's really interesting because um people have a perception of like if you outside of london there are no black people right and i think that's true for some towns and villages and things um yeah. uh, but liverpool has a lot of black people i mean nothing compared to london nowhere compares to london but um they also have a lot of mixed race people because of how old the black population is right because of how how the black community is racial mixing so i grew up around a lot of mixed race people and never felt out of place but then also we never really differentiated between a monoracial person and a mixed race person in the black community like of course colorism ex existed like um yes. before i was even old enough to know what that meant yes that existed 
And I knew I looked different to my mum, but we never differentiated in that way, right? And then when I moved to London in 2006 and people started to ask me, so what are you? Which of your parents is black? You know, like what side do you lean more towards? And I was like hit with this wave of questions I'd never been asked before. And I was so confused by it. And then with that came all of these stereotypes that mixed race people apparently had about them, you know, people thought I was rude or promiscuous or stupid, or there was all these different things. And, um, and I had a bit of an identity crisis because I was like, what do you mean I'm not black? What, what are you talking about? And I felt right. like, however I like chose to identify, it was never quite right. Like, because everybody had their different expectations from their different cultures and communities. And that was probably my first taste of being like, oh, it's really not the same everywhere, you know? Well, let me ask you a question. Um, so, cause it's interesting to me to see or hear someone from across the seas actually use the terminology black, right? Because for me, like I always differentiated here in America when people are like, oh, you're white and black. I'm like, no, I'm Irish and black. Okay. Cause there's a difference for me, right? Because for me, the homogenization of what white supremacy did was literally that, right? Like that one drop rule. Like I said, you were just black at a certain year, you know, like during certain years living in England. And it's just like, all right, that's what it is. And, but here with that one drop rule, it's kind of similar, but like I said, how America was like, yeah, hold my beer. So yeah. anyone with anything, like I, there was a term called octoroon. So like even generations down, you would still be black as if the white was something so pure that it was tainted. And the irony of that to me is that I'm like, white is not even in existence, nor is black, right? It's a construct, mm -hmm. it's something made up. Mm -hmm. Like you said, your mom's family, you're from Ghana, right? Mm -hmm. So like, so for me, I wouldn't even say you were black, like, right? But this goes into racial identity. I would say you were Ghanaian and British. Yeah. It would just be like that for me. So like, is your dad like just English, just English or but is he some other? My, my dad's family is a mixture of English, Irish, Welsh, and I think maybe Scottish actually. Again, Liverpool mm -hmm. being a port, being a docks, um, there is a lot of mixing. There is, there is a huge Irish population in, in Liverpool too. Um, yeah. And Liverpool also borders Wales. So Liverpool is a, is a melting pot, no matter what racial category you fit into. So if you're white, you're black, you're Asian. Liverpool is also the home, home to the UK's oldest Chinese uh, community, for example, right? So, That's so yeah. cool. I had no idea that. Yeah, very, very cool. So there, so there, I guess, was a lot of racial mixing um, for that reason. But in terms of uh, race versus culture, culturally, I am Ghanaian and British, but racial groups still very much existed. And I think that that racist construct, right, still existed. I think America was more extreme but still exists like throughout Europe and, and possibly the world, who knows? But right. there, was no, uh, there was no real differentiation between um, being Caribbean, being um, African, from like a, a racist white person perspective, you were very much a black person. Right? Interesting. So, yeah, as that, an American living mm -hmm. over there, all they cared about was I was a Yank. <laughs> so like, that was like more, um, yeah. The barrier is that like I didn't 
they weren't concerned so much with my racial identity. It was more about my nationality. And I love all of those connections, right? Like they were like, oh, you're American. So they sneered anyway, right? Because cool. they just, so <laughs> that was pretty much <laughs> my experience when oh, stepping out into the world. That was for me, my experience, like, um, and they would, and then when they did ask like my neighbors and that, cause like I lived on the economy and I had British neighbors, I lived in like, actually I didn't live on the base because that was not the experience that I wanted because on the base, it's absolutely still very much America. It is no different. You know, you have like the big stores, you have the restaurants, you have the pubs, you have all of that. And I wanted to experience the culture of living there, right? Like going to the pub with the kids and, you know, taking the kids to school there. And so for me, that was more of a greater barrier. And when they asked and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm Irish and black. And they were like, oh, okay. And it was nothing. It was more like I got poked at because of being American. <laughs> sure. That's interesting. I suppose because I've, because I've never been anything but British navigating race as a social construct here, it's hard to know um, if somebody would notice something else about me first if I had, if I had a different accent, right? It's right. hard to really, but um, it's interesting. What I will say about my experience, um, both culturally and racially, and how that differs with some of my peers now, um, so my grandparents came over from Ghana in like the 50s, 60s um, and had uh, my mum and her siblings and it was a very racist time to be in the UK, right? So my mum was born in 61, it was very, very racist. The 70s and 80s polit politicians were debating things like uh, voluntary repatriation to try and encourage black and brown people to go back to the countries they'd come over wow. from whether or not they were born here, whether or not they were requested or offered to come here by the British government, they decided, oh no, we're, we're concerned about the rapidly growing black population, shall we send them back? We're there, were there were actually like eugenics reports and studies discouraging racial mixing around that time as well, because wow. it, they tried to convince people not to mix, you know, black and white. It was at like a serious, we're not talking about like, fringe politicians you know it we're talking about like mainstream politicians discussing voluntary repatriation um there were you know eugenic studies to to um to prevent or dissuade people from racial mixing um and they would say things like you know if you you know if a black person or white person have a baby they will inherit the worst traits of each race so don't risk it don't do it no yeah and um, and so it was a very very tense place um, to be to be black or to be Asian in Britain. So in order to survive, my grandparents made the choice not to teach um, my my mum and her siblings the language. They only had Ghanaian food once a week, um, and they just raised them culturally English, which is like it breaks my heart. Um, because it is heartbreaking. That's honestly the work that I do, like on TikTok and just like in life, is literally decolonization because it's that, right? Like it is a forced, it's because it's so violent, right? Like without even bringing in the physical violence, That's the right. actual violence of the mental breakdown of it, right? The loss of who we are, right? Mm -hmm. Like you lost being Ghanaian, right? So, like now you're just. I'm not saying just black, like, because I think being black is lit, because in America, it is. Like, black yeah. Americans 
for me are like, because for me, I would personally like speaking on identity and that my thing is, is I think that Black should really only cover Black Americans because of- I've, I've seen your videos very, on that, huh? Yeah, for their very distinct um, situation within the diaspora. Most people that went through that have their own countries, language, food now, like they've shifted that. And because we're still here living amongst our colonizers, you know, under still oppressed by the systems that were always created to mm -hmm. oppress us, we don't get to have that, right? Like there's no reclamation. Like every time we have a dance, every time there's some music, every time we create food, you know, here comes someone like, oh, we're gonna sell you $45, you know, chitlins. And I'm like, what? This is yeah. insane. Or like, you know, every time we have a dance, you'll see it like, you know, especially, you know, since we both met on TikTok, you know, you see it with those TikTok, um, you know, strikes and that, right? Like I'm a black Barbie was a huge one. And there was a bunch of white women taking it over and it was like just respect the culture like respect the culture and for me that's what white supremacy does it strips you like you said you know you guys you don't even know your own language and that is yeah. harmful. and I, I i hear what you i hear what you say about the idea about black being an identifier solely for um for americans like it makes sense in terms of like wanting your own label because of how much we're stripped from you. Like, I completely understand that. What's interesting though is like, uh, you know, if you look at how long, for example, there's been a black community in Liverpool, we're going back to like the 1730s maybe. So that's also hundreds of years. And there, are, there might yeah. be other people that can't trace directly either. I know it's the same for the Caribbean, right? Um, it's the same for right. South America. But I think irrespective of that, because I think moving forward, it would be it actually would be really productive for us to start to be able to identify ourselves, right? And um, categorize ourselves outside of white supremacy because where all of us are having these arguments with each other, like there's so much discourse on TikTok, on Twitter about who gets to fit into what racial category, but we're all working with these categories that were assigned to oppress us, right? And yes, even though it's a fictitious right. system, yes, they have very real consequences and, and realities for us. So Absolutely. I'm not saying we can just decide, okay, now it's over, now let's pick new labels. But I think it would be good to move forward to that. But what's interesting is that actually the label of black is global, right? It's something that um, maybe if you go to continental Africa, they, they identify and like they use different signifiers, they use different labels, um, but otherwise, the label of black anywhere in the diaspora is very prominent and has been given to to everybody not quite in the same way as america and that america's culture is very specific but in a very similar way um and so i think it's going to be very very difficult to part part like to encourage people or convince people to part ways with that because in right, a way and to be fair because i'm always for correction i didn't think about it from a worldview right like i didn't even know that mm -hmm. this was like there was such a prominent space in liverpool and i have lived in england right like mm -hmm. and i love the beatles and like that's all i think about with liverpool yeah. you know what I mean? yeah so like um so like i'm always open for correction or the conversations right like that's my whole jam is like that's right. the name of the whole podcast like let's right. have the conversation mm -hmm. right 
because you don't. And like I said, like America is a nationalist place. And so we're so enclosed. So to be quite honest, I really never even thought about British and black because then my experience being over there were the black Brits that I did meet were Caribbean, right? right? So they would still then identify like, oh, I'm from the West Indies, right? Like I'm West Indian and British. Mm-hmm. Like Britain was just their nationality, right? Like it wasn't yeah. their racial mate. So that was just my experience because in my town that I lived in in Mildenhall, when you saw somebody black, they were often Jamaican, mm-hmm. right? So like, like that's they still identified or you saw someone brown they were pakistanian and they still identified as such they just happened to yeah. be british by nationality so i never i don't even think i knew i'm not even going to put but i don't think i ever registered in my brain that there were just black british people like no we also were stripped of our cultural identity and just kind of got homogenized by the label of blackness. To be quite honest, it did not even cross my mind even when I thought about the video or gatekeeping that space. Because I too like to evolve what race looks like, right? Because in order to protect culture, what does that Uh look like? Do you know what I mean? Like for me, that's more what it is. Yeah, and I think it's it's also hard to know like how many of those um, like old black British families exist, what they identify as now, right? I am, um, I'm like second generation of, of a black family from Ghana. So I also don't speak for them. Um, what I will say is you're right in as much as um, black and Asian people in the UK do tend to use cultural signifiers before racial, but we still hold both in tandem, if that makes sense. So like, um, yeah. so my cousin um, on my mom's side, so her mum, is Ghanaian but born here, but her dad was born in Ghana. So she has a much more Ghanaian cultural experience, but she's still, she's Ghanaian and black identity she holds in tandem. Um, But if she was born in Ghana, like one of my friends is Nigerian, born in Nigeria, grew up in Nigeria, moved here as an adult and says, I learned to be black when I moved here. Because when I was there, what mattered was that I was Yoruba, right? I was Yoruba, right. I was Nigerian, but when I mo- when I moved to the UK, the late that's when the label of black became. I was black first, then I was Nigerian, right. and I think that is colonization, right? I that, is, that is, yeah, and that's, that's what exactly having. what it is. That is it because, like I said, even when I turn around, because I know looking at me, right, like people, no one, unless they know me or they've been friends, like some of my friends that have known me for years will say, oh, I have an Irish friend, like if somebody's talking about something, oh, my friend Desiree is Irish, but obviously looking at me, I am brown skin, curly Mm -hmm. hair, like no one's like, oh, (laughs) she looks Irish, do you know what I mean? So like, I recognize that I'm always gonna be perceived black first, or at least some some ethnicity or something along non-white in America, right? Yeah, like the, where are you really from is what we get here. Yeah, where I'm you, always gonna where, where are you from? No, you're, I know you're from Liverpool, but where are you like really from? Like that's the yeah, way like, we get asked. <laughs> it's so odd, right? Because like here in America, people are like, oh, are you Puerto Rican? And I'm like, no, like, mm-hmm. not at all. I'm Irish or black, but that was like the question my entire life. Um, and it, it would have been easier to be honest. And like, so for me, that's where that 
formulation of keeping black Americans as, you know, just the label black and not thinking about the worldview because though those they're the same right like they're still descendants of african slaves they're from the diaspora they are spaniards mixed with african enslaved africans mixed with the the natives that were there the tainos and it's like so how did they just get a complete cultural identity like oh no they're puerto rican but it's like aren't they black also like what makes them any less black than myself here in mm -hmm. america when they're the same it's the same it's born out of the same oppression and enslavement so that's where that idea came from without having cool. that world view do you know what i mean like it would have been much easier for me to go through my life and not have to even explain myself because I'm perceived here in America as Puerto Rican first. Oh, like people will just assume that. Like, and I mm -hmm. can just slide into that identity and, and that culture and no one would think twice about it. So that's what gave yeah. me that separation. Like, hmm, how do we evolve this here in America? Like, and yeah, exactly. tandem. Well, that's where I, this is where I started thinking about the concept of racial fluidity and holding multiple racial identities, right? When you're mixed race, because I, I spent my whole life trying to look for people that looked like me and then figure out how they identified to check I was still doing it right because of how much it's changed in my lifetime, right? And so yeah. I would look at, um, I would look at like a colored person in South, Af in South Africa, right? So you look at a colored person in South Africa and think, well, am I the same as them? Well, I guess I'm not actually. Okay, but they look similar to me, but they identify as colored and I identify as black or mixed race. And then I would look at um, Creole people in Louisiana and say, okay, but they look like me. So could I identify as Creole? Well, no, but they identify as Creole, black, but not mixed necessarily. Um, if I go to Latin America, they may think I'm Latina, right? Um, yeah. So I'm like, okay, so what does this actually mean? Like what, you know, somebody commented on my TikTok post this morning um, where I talked about why I hold multiple racial identities. And they said, well, I kind of get you, but I don't understand it because I know people with two black parents that look the same as you. So why would you identify as mixed race if they identify as black? And my answer is simply because I could go to like Puerto Rico, somebody could think I'm Puerto Rican. I could go... Yeah. I could go up to, I could go to Norway and they would say, that's a black person, right? I could go to New York. I don't know. I'd be identified as mixed race there, maybe. I'll go to Nigeria. Yeah, I'm, my... Puerto Rican. I'm, from, I'm from New York. They okay. They so New York, they would... Dominican or Puerto Rican. Okay. Because of your fair skin, right? Like, like okay. that, because you're so fair, they, mm -hmm. it's hard to like slam Different, into yeah. a black identity here they would you would be Spanish okay that's interesting um then if I went to Ghana or Nigeria they would only see the white in me most likely like they would just call me white right like they would know that I'm not white white but they would be like but she has enough white privilege that she doesn't know what we're talking about right as well as the right. fact that I have a white dad I was born and raised in England I don't speak um I don't speak any sort of national language there. Um, so that's when I realized, okay, so I'm still the same, 
but other people perceive me differently based on like the cultural background yeah. and the landscape there. Then you add in the fact of who else is in the room. So even if we're not just talking about one-on-one, if I'm in a room with all white people, I'm the black person in the room, right? Absolutely. But if I'm, in, if I'm in the room with all black people, I'm the mixed race, I'm the mixed race person in the room. They, you know, my family see me as black, they include yeah. me as black, but I'm still the mixed race person in the room. I change the dynamic when I go into it right Mm -hmm. if I'm in a room with white and black people then of course like we're black people together but there is there is like another layer to that dynamic whereas you know there's white people a mixed race person and black people yeah um but I'm still going to have a mixed race experience and a black experience simultaneously like I'm never gonna have just one or the other um and I spent so long trying to figure out which one I was. And then I just realized, oh no, I do actually have both of those experiences. And so I might as well just hold them both. So I don't always feel like I'm like being like batted back and forth like a tennis ball. Like, no, you're this, you're yeah. this, you're this. And yeah. also it was a way for me to take agency. <laughs> and because, you know, you talk about, um, you know, the, the tragic mulatto stereotype doesn't exist here in the same way because we never use the term mulatto, right? Um, there was a time when the term half caste was used, but that was that was that's more a term that came from the caste system in, in India, right? That was then yeah. sort of applied here um, to to mixed race people, but is of course yeah, I heard that too when I was there, and I was like, wow, that sounds derogatory as yeah. hell. Very I was derogatory. like, what is half caste? <laughs> <laughs> I think that that sounded worse to me than mulatto. I was I was already jarred by the fact that they still use the term colored. And I was like, but I recognize they, they that it does not. They still the term colored when you were here? Huh? Yeah. This yes. <gasps> so like, I moved from England in 2005. And like, my, my landlord, to be fair, is an older person. Okay. So maybe it was just like, you know, but yeah, I actually did hear half cast and colored still, and that was in the two thousands. Why? Crazy. I mean, yeah, I maybe like older people, like maybe older people. I think I remember my granddad's. Um, obviously, my dad's my dad's parents are white. I think I remember my granddad being like once too when I was a kid, like is colored still okay? Like because at one point it was rude to say black, right? And I remember him being like, I don't know which one, so he would like just whisper. <laughs> um, but yeah, she. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I just, I re- I got to the point where I realized I was like always being defined by whoever I was talking to and how they saw me. And so even though like the tragic mulatto stereotype doesn't exist here in the same way because we don't use that terminology, the, the experience I think ring, rings true in some ways, but yeah, I've never had the, I've never had the experience of, oh, white people don't want me, black people don't want me. I've never had that. But I have had a weird sort of, well, I know that I'm definitely not white. I've never been. I've never been white in my life. But now I'm sort of like the the definition of black is changing. And now I'm mixed race, but I still have a black experience. And it was just like a weird, like it was like a fractured thought, right? It was like, and then I just suddenly realized, oh, I can just see myself two ways then. Um, because that is my actual reality. And I yeah, think- I fully, fully align with that. That's, yeah. And I think um, we spoke 
briefly on your video of that. And I was like, yeah, I love that idea. Because, so just to recap, if people don't know what's the tragic mulatto, it is that feeling. Like, I'm not black enough for the black person. I'm not white enough for the white person. And usually that is what you're getting. And like, especially on these TikToks and stuff. Yeah. And then you see people, right? Like, cause I had asked, you know, like what's, what do people most misunderstand about your topic? And like how you were like, well, they just think like I'm basically like glorifying being mixed mm-hmm. race. Right? Like, look at me, I am lovely and yellow <laughs> with curly good hair, yeah. and that's not it. Yeah. You're just you're having very real conversations about. Like, I've always, and I think that because being in America, like I said, I never identified as white. That was never my experience, right? So I don't have, I think the tragic mulatto, not only because the terminology is used here, I think because like you said earlier, with that one drop rule here in America, like someone that looks like you or myself, because you even, as and you are quite fair, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You would never be clocked as a white person in America. Oh. Mm-hmm. ever like there would never be like even if they thought at most you were maybe italian or something right like it's it's like you're still like not white you're just like I'm never exactly Do you know it's really funny actually because i have i've been called white a couple of times on tiktok uh, <laughs> yes. which is so strange it's so um, it's so odd I actually, when I moved here, I was closer to your complexion. This is a lot of sunning and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think I got called like white, like three times living in the South. And I was like, in my entire life, and I grew up in a very, like, see how you grew up in Liverpool in a very black environment? I grew up in an all white environment. Like in New York City, we separate by culture, right? My mom happens to be the white person. Um, so you kind of come up with your mom's culture more than uh-huh. your father's. Plus my my dad passed when I was 11. So I grew up with an Irish American experience, right? Uh-huh. Grew up like, you know, with the immigrant experience, work hard, bootstrap, you can do it. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody's meant to do better the next generation, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, like I was, was never going to be, and I've said this on my videos, like I could like this color, this hair, this phenotype bars me from whiteness in mm-hmm. America because that's just the creation of race, right? It does not bar me from being Irish, right? Like I can go to Ireland, I can move yeah, my black ass exactly. family to Ireland that's and right. be Irish all day long. I'm just a melanated Irish person or I'm a black Irish person. So the tragic mulatto trope that happens here that we're seeing so much of on Twitter and on TikTok when they see someone like you um, or when they're speaking about their own experiences, they can't be white. That you cannot. That's not how race works in America. Mm-hmm. And we have to recognize that it is a system, right? Yeah. Like you being a mixed race person in Britain, you could be both. You could be black and British, right? Like because that's your nationality. Yeah. But you can't be black and white in America. So it forces a space of choosing. So I love that you're giving us more of the world view. Like, no, you can actually just identify as mixed race and you don't have to make these hard choices. You don't have to adopt and internalize white supremacy, right? Like, I love your platform is about identifying outside of white supremacy. 
Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And thank you because it's it's nice when people get it because it's a very contentious and very sore subject, and I understand yeah. why. And I know that I'm very light skinned. I also want to I also want to get in there that I've not been in the sun for 18 months. So even I don't <laughs> ever look this but this is the person I've ever seen myself, the pandemic. But no, I am yeah. I'm very fair. And even you know, I have a few mixed race people in my family. <laughs> I'm the fairest one. Um, yeah. That's genetics for you. It's so funny. So I, I I'm very yeah, aware of my how kids look like to me cousins. I always joke, I'm like, those kids look like cousins, different reflections, different hair types, different hair exactly. colours, and like yeah, I mean, it's the same with me and my brother. So I'm very mindful of how I look and how it sometimes must sound coming out of my mouth. But my thing is, is that your identity and choosing is a very different thing. Um, we we just are, right? We just are mixed race. And if you can, you are mixed race and can identify as black and you can be mixed race and identify as mixed race. White is never an option. I don't know why people say that it is because it's not, but that still doesn't mean that you've picked a side, right? I, right. even on the days that I'm mixed race, because that's how I'm being viewed that day, I'm still not ever choosing white supremacy. I'm still not ever choosing leaning into colorism. I'm still not, people, I think people, because of like the history in America, particularly of passing, right? Because of, you know, when you think about like um, Louisiana and the, the sort of creation of like a Creole class, um, yeah. there is a lot, like there's a lot of, like I, I interact with a few Creole people on TikTok, and there is a lot of hurt, you know, and sore history there because there there is that element of betrayal of saying no, I'm going to get mine. Like I'm going to step up if I can. So sometimes mm -hmm. people hear me and think that I'm saying, you know, being mixed race is a social status, and it's actually I'm saying the opposite. I'm just saying we can't um, ever solve a problem if we don't understand the situation, and if right. the problem is race is a social construct then how can I navigate it honestly? How can I navigate it truly if I don't acknowledge the difference between me and my mum, between me and my monoracially black cousins? How on earth can we really level with each other and see each other? Um, yeah. If it, we're it, pretending we that my, my experience is the same. Exactly, we need to face the truths that exists within that, you know? And like, I follow you and I follow another um, mixed race woman and I find her to be much, I don't even wanna say more because you're not, she's just absolutely borderline intolerable because it is very much not what your platform is about. It is, it does yeah. seem very much like, you know, and she also is very fair. She's not white passing. I'm not loving the white passing term that's now being used. No, because that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. It's like, if we're only starting to look like fair skin mixed people like yourself, um, we're only starting to look like white passing because white women are doing so much black Thank fishing. You. Thank you. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, there was never a point in time where, like, you know, I have two daughters who are your complexion, yeah? And mm -hmm. there was never a point in time, and one of them happens to be 25, never, even in England, when she was that much more pale, would she have ever been thought to be white, right? But when you have so many white women tanning, bronzing, right. you know, right. curling their hair, putting the, the 3C weaves in and, you know, injecting their lips and, you That's know, right. doing all of these things, they are looking phenotypically black. Like these are the constructs of your ancestors, ma'am. I'm sorry. Like you want to dismantle that? Then 
do that because it's the work of your people. But because of that now, it's making more contention, in my opinion, yeah. in within our community. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And here they go disrupting blackness again with their lack of self-identity. Like get clear on your ancestral spaces. <laughs> That's right. That y'all started and stay out of black people's business because mm -hmm. now it's causing more infighting, right? Like, cause yeah. what you're speaking of within the Louisiana Creole, I also interact with them is the Passe Blanc. Yes. Mm -hmm. But what I learned, right? Because I always thought like white passing was, and not saying that it's not, but like it was. my daughter also, who looks like you, she stopped saying she was black too. She just said she's Puerto Rican. Her because mom, she was just getting too much pushback. It was just too much pushback. Oh, but and that's what makes me mad. In fairness though, because I don't want people to think that she's out there passing in the world. Her father is Puerto Rican. Um, okay. So she just was like, it's just so I'm just, much. I'm just going to pick a side and stick to it. And I think that's the thing. I had a conversation with my uh, with a friend of mine who's also mixed race and she said you know what if i have um if i have a child with a monoracial black person i'm just going to tell my kids they're black i'm not going to tell them they're mixed that's a whole nother conversation that's her choice but her thing was she was so sick of having her race debated that she's like if i have whatever i'm just going to round up that percentage if they don't look racial, i'm just going to round it up and i that and to me i understand the pain of it but that's the bit that really annoys me because it's it's infighting caused by like you say the ariana grandes of the world who have decided that it's cool to look mixed race now like when i was a kid it was not cool to be mixed race like it was, it only was not friends, no, like one of my friends who's about 10 years younger than me that i used to work with said to me what oh but you're mixed race so you're like top of the food chain aren't you and i was like excuse me she was yeah, like, oh, like like this is so new like people have no idea it's so new i literally did a video about that too like it was like talking about like what were you bullied for growing up and i was like i wasn't bullied because i could fight but i will tell you it wasn't cool like what everybody wants now like everybody running out like i said when i lived in england it was like the 2000s and that and it's then i started seeing this eruption of like oh like having a little mixed kid was like the thing to do. We're like, it was odd man out and I'm 42 years old. There, it was super duper not a cool thing to be mixed or to be out there wanting mixed children. And now it is, like you said, which is absolutely gross and totally feeds into white supremacy and the fetish fetishizing of black bodies no matter how those black bodies are it still goes back into that mm -hmm. right like we're not escaping white supremacy by making being mixed race something so lovely and we see it here i don't know if it's the same across the pond and that but like on television now mm -hmm. all the families are mixed race we're not even doing black families they're mostly yeah. mixed race or racially ambiguous children and it's like this is also a problem now I cried at the Cheerios commercial, legitimately cried when I saw a white mom and a black dad and this mixed kid. And I was like, that's my family. So yeah. I do appreciate the representation, but then as America does, we homogenize, right? Like now it's just mixed race telling. It's yeah. not, I want to see some black ass families and by black, I mean, I want to see some 4C hair. I want to see some dark ass skin. I want to see black, black people being in love what 100 and i think that's this and this idea of like 
mixed race club, mixed race people being special, mixed race people being, like I've all, I've always rejected it because I, I was very lucky. I count myself very lucky to have grown up in Liverpool because it wasn't considered special then. And I think London was slightly ahead because it had a, a, a larger black population and therefore a larger mixed race population. So by the time I moved to London, I automatically felt like, like I've never been like the prettiest person in the room, right? I moved to London and everybody wanted to talk to me. And it was because I was mixed race and nothing else. And wow. it was always a trophy thing. And pe people would say things like, oh, I want to marry a mixed race person because I want my children to be like, or a white people would say, I want to marry a black person or a mixed race person because I, I'd love my children to have like green eyes or, or curly hair. And so straight away, I knew, oh, this is, I have to be very careful who I date now because people aren't actually getting to know me. They're only seeing the mixed race thing. Like people, yeah. Like, so I, I was very, it's very totally upholds. It totally still upholds white supremacy, right? Like, I, I want to have. It's like a more a creation of like an acceptable black person, right? You still you still have to be mindful of that this idea, and that and that in itself is gross, um, and that's so why I'm and I and I think a lot of people are talking about identifying as mixed race to um, to stop black erasure, which in to an extent I agree with. Though I always think that if you're mixed race and you are visibly mixed with black you can never opt out of a black identity. I think it's naive to do so. But mm. I, I will always say like black of mixed heritage or mixed race yeah. and black, because I don't like the idea that it can be, for example, a casting call for a black person and they could cast me. I think that I right. think that's ridiculous, right? Yeah, um, I find that to be absolutely disgusting. Like, yeah, I think I saw your video, like, you know, with, with Nina Simone. Like, no, like yeah. let's celebrate blackness in all of its levels, like exactly all of it. Not and that's my thing of like, I started making TikTok videos because I felt like we're arguing for the same seat at the table instead of uh, like fighting for more seats at the table. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, I can't. It was getting me really frustrated, um, and it just felt like so much infighting when it's like no we can just acknowledge exactly who we are, come together and like smash the system. Like that's, that was part of it for me. But I feel like mixed race TikTok, part of mixed race TikTok, because not all of it, is sort of going this very extreme way of people militantly identifying as mixed race and saying, I'm not black, I'm mixed race. And that's scary. I think that what happens is, is like, right, like I get nervous with, I love social media because it connects people, right? Like I said, like I did not know about this town in London or Liverpool having such a very rich black history, right? Um, and now here we are just chatting as if, you know, we're just like right here with no worries. Like, so I love social media. I think that, but then conversely, the issue with TikTok and social media, right? Becomes echo chambers. Yes. Right. Because I do actually like the identifying as mixed race to not for black erasure, right? Because no matter what, we're all black. Like I agree with that. Like, right. Like, and I love your idea of holding all of these identities as truths, right? Like your own personal truths, no matter how I'm perceived, I am yeah. still Irish. And that is important to me, right? I share that with my children. They have Irish names. I share their culture. We're trying to like keep that alive, right? Um, thank you. Um, but also, I have zero problem 
saying like I'm a woman of color because of like what you said with the casting and that right mm -hmm. like if we're just all lumping it's so yeah. hard we're all just lumping into blackness right is like it negates the black experience that is very very real like I saw your um your reel with your mom how mm -hmm. beautiful what a lovely lovely tribute oh, to you. her as this black woman who wore her natural hair who knew who she was yeah. who wore her fro right like but someone like myself wouldn't have had that experience right like because even if it was for fetish purposes right i was the pretty person in the room right i was the one with the quote unquote good hair right mm -hmm. so me saying I'm mixed race uh -huh. gives space because what happens is, is like those people who don't want to see the realities of racism will negate your mother's experience because well, look at her. She is black. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And well, yeah, I'm not I, sure. That wasn't a real serious act of rebellion to just wear her hair naturally to just be black and beautiful without apology especially during those times it's so difficult now but she exactly. was literally trailblazing then do you know what i mean so like yeah well, so yeah. Me, I think that that's why. let me tell you something so in the 90s well you you remember in the 90s when everybody was ironing their hair it was obviously a very uh trying time to have curly hair i was bullied for my hair at school right but the way that yeah. i differentiate my experience with my mother's um, because obviously when I, I, I was young, I didn't quite know how to compute it yet. And I think, well, we both got bullied for having, you know, quote unquote Afro hair, right? Now everybody wants yeah. their kids to have curly hair. But then I was bullied mercilessly. But the difference between me and my mom is that I was bullied for my hair and people would call me Michael Jackson and people would make all this fun. But people would ask me if my mom was mentally ill because she wore her hair naturally, right? It's and that wild. is the difference. And there, there was a history of people of, of people treating African women, Afro-Caribbean women, like they were mentally ill if they wore their cultural clothes, if they wore their natural hair in the UK, right? That There is a horrible history wow. of that. So, which as a child, I didn't know. And I remember that there was this one girl, she must've been in her twenties and she had this beautiful, like big, like gravity defying 40 hair. And she used to wear them in these absolutely ginormous twists and they were wonderful. Like they were so regal looking. And people used to call her names in the street. Like people would laugh at her. People would throw things at her. People would say, people assumed that she was like, that she had a learning disability or something because she wore her hair like that, right? And that, and like you said, that is the difference. So people made fun of me because my hair was big, because my hair was frizzy, but nobody thought I was mentally ill, right? So right. while I have a black experience, it's not the same as my mom's black experience. Um, and that's why I'm always insistent about holding a mixed race identity in addition to a black identity, because of, that's the difference. Right. right. No, I absolutely love that idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that is absolutely, there is a difference, right? Like, cause I've had my own experiences with it. And I think that to be quite honest though, um, growing up in New York city and it being so multicultural, right. Mm -hmm. It's not like multi-racial it's multi-ethnic it's multicultural. um yeah. you know it's literally the home of the immigrant especially when i grew up right so like you had neighborhoods that were like they're italian they're you know chinese japanese they're polish they're irish they're jamaican like it was because it was so multicultural 
the biggest experience that I had, like I said, was just debating that I wasn't Puerto Rican. So I yeah. think like all of, yeah, like literally fist fights about it. Like people are like, no, you're just not, people, I would literally think I was a Puerto Rican and just not proud. So I didn't speak Spanish. So like I would actually yeah. fight. They would want to fight me physically, assuming I was like an unproud Puerto Rican because they're really a proud lot um, about their identity. Don't you think it's interesting like that the 2021 version of that is people having to show pictures of their parents on TikTok because mixed race kids are being accused of blackfishing. Like it's insane that this is still happening it because is. people are so obsessed with putting people in racial boxes based on what they assume that somebody of that race or racial mixture should look like. And that's another yeah. reason why I started making my videos because I was like there's really no one way to look like this you guys like there's I mean, I'm not saying that people don't blackfish we know that white people do do that but somebody messaged me the other day like you know what you said about your daughter just made the decision to just be like I'm Puerto Rican like she'd had enough and yeah. I understand I understand that but it's heartbreaking to me and it makes me so upset because again we're working off other people's definitions right. and assumptions from their corner of the world which is I why agree. I which is why I've started talking more about racial fluidity and how there is no one way to look black or mixed race or Asian, you know, because, you know, somebody messaged me and she's quite, she's, um, I don't know if she's fairer skin than me, but her hair is a looser texture. So people always question her blackness, right? She's mixed race. Um, but her youngest sister, who's obviously born, she's Gen Z, so completely different outlook on this, has like, she asked her parents for a DNA test because everybody was telling her there was no way that she could be black. So she's like in her own identity, looking at her two parents that she's known her whole life, couldn't even believe that her racial mixture was what it was because of TikTok, because of the Instagram and the Twitter generation, because of the way that people just think that they can debate the racial identity of mixed race people without their consent or input, you know? And yeah. people have such varying, you know, I had arguments, not, I, mean, I try not to argue with people because um, especially black people, especially black women, because I, you know, I think black women, we have a tough time enough as it is. So I, it, it's a rule of mine, but I spent a lot of time debating the racial identity of Drake's son <laughs> on TikTok. Yes, I've seen that. I'm like, I was like, this is so, this is, this is, it was absolutely brilliant. Like, yeah, but continue. Because it just really frustrates me. But the, the most ironic thing to me is that I had people shouting at me that he was white and we should stop forcing, um, forcing him onto the black community. And then I had people screaming at me that he was black and that I should stop trying to enforce white supremacy by um, saying that he could be mixed race. And this is what- but to young be fair, to be fair, actually, Making someone who is of mixed race background monoracial is absolutely enforcing white supremacy. In, in like, to say that Drake's son is monoracial or just black, and absolutely, I, I mean, like there needs to be because I too, I don't, I, I, I don't, I make it a business to not debate black women in regard mm. to this, right? So like, I fully think that there should just be like a lane of like mixed race identity. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, you know, I'm black and mixed or what have you, or just mm -hmm. something like that. Because that again, like I said, when I will not say I'm white and black, I'll say I'm Irish and black, because that should let you know, right? Like these are indicators. The reason why we have these boxes are indicators of how someone's been socialized, of their cultural upbringing, and all of the other things, right? Because like now I'm not as fair as you, but my hair is a looser texture. So like people automatically do not assume I'm just black. 
anyway, right? Because yeah, okay. apparently black people can't have loose textured hair, which is insane, <laughs> but whatever. Um, so for me, it's important to say like I'm mixed race because that should give you, there's like, there's distinct difference from myself being mixed race and a black woman, a monoracial black woman who looks just like me. Mm-hmm. complected phenotype like my I don't to me my phenotype doesn't look racially ambiguous though I have been called no I would agree mm-hmm. right like to me I just look like a light-skinned black woman yeah but I I think my hair is what makes me racially ambiguous right like it becomes, <laughs> like and it's like out because of the texture of it that is honestly what makes me racially ambiguous if oh. you gave me a thicker curl, curl pattern, uh, like I would just be clocked for a light-skinned black woman. Mm-hmm. But by saying I'm mixed race and holding those truths, it kind of, it gives way for you to understand like, hold on, because I didn't grow up with a black experience like that. So don't let me in there and don't make me your spokesperson. More importantly, that's yeah, why, you know, especially because like on my platform, white women, really do hear me and listen to me, you know, I'm listening to them, I'm helping guide them towards their own ancestral mm-hmm. healing in that space. Do not use me as your token black person, right? Yeah. But Desiree says, and it's like, Desiree has a, a different identity than a black woman who's monoracial and looks like me. So I love your Drake's son's idea of being, no, he's mixed race, he's not white. He's, if he were white, it was only because of Anytime you take a mixed race person and make them monoracial based mm-hmm. on that's literally based on white supremacy, right? Like that's how yeah, exactly. you get and, the and, and, you know, I get this. And he might he might grow up and have in some instances a white experience if he if he presents as white. Who who are we to know? We can't predict the future. But his experience is a mixed race person. And I think this is the and this is the thing, like you hit the nail on the head. You might look phenotypically like a light-skinned black woman. But there is a difference in your experience, in your socialization, in all of those things, even in your exposure to racism. If you grow up with white and black people in the house, there is also a very deep psychological difference. If you grow up with parents and neither of them look like you, it's not just about what I look like to a per- to another person as compared to a Creole person or right. a, a very fair-skinned black person with black parents, right? Like Beyonce's mom has a different experience to me. We might have the same genetic makeup of white and black I don't you know I don't know we could be 50 50 both of us but my experience is different from the simple fact that she likely had two parents that looked similar in skin tone to her and neither of my parents like my mom you see my mom my mom was very dark-skinned my dad my dad has a ginger beard right he's Irish dark hair ginger beard yeah yeah. neither of them looked like me I that was my experience as well. Like yeah, my father exactly. proper and black. <laughs> like this is not a light skinned black man, yeah. Exactly. Like my dad is like Isaac Hayes, black, wide nose, big lips, dark skin, mm-hmm. hair. So yeah, I had that experience as well. Yeah, up and, so, and this is what I mean of like so it's not and people always they jump to you you're just trying to distance yourself from blackness you just don't want to have the same label as us and it's like no it's not that it's just you're compressing all of our experiences into one monolith and actually there are some very specific things that mixed race people need to decompress sometimes with each other of like god it's a trip isn't it like realizing like nobody looks like me this is this is a bit weird it's wild yeah even you know you take the tragedy out of it you take the tragic mulatto stereotype out of it it's just of i went through a a phase of tanning and my mum 
I asked my mom when I was about six mom if I tan long enough will I look like you because I wanted to be my mom so bad she was so beautiful and she said oh, yes so I spent every summer out there in the northwest of England where it rains most of the year every <laughs> sunny day I was out there just tanning 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 and then every September October when it would start to get cold I'd be like damn it I failed again let me count down to next spring when I'll be able to try and you know no um and that is a very specific experience of wanting to, like not wanting, I never wanted blonde hair or blue eyes, but looking at like the Sandies and the Rizzos on Greece, right? And being like, oh, I don't look like them. Like, so I'm not pretty. But then looking at my beautiful mum and being like, I don't look like her, so I'm not pretty. And I'm not jibbing like, oh, I wasn't black enough, not white enough. It's just literally when you grow up and the people that you're supposed to look up to and neither of them look like you, it's just a very specific experience of having to find um, role models. Like we all as humans need, like part of our learning and our growth is role modeling. And you don't, like, you don't always have that as mixed race people. And so I was speaking to a, um, a lovely Creole woman on TikTok the other day and just explaining like, you, like you would have had, a role model like visually I didn't have that it's no great tragedy I turned out fine but what yeah. I have is an experience very unique to having two monoracial parents of different races and that is where I think mixed race community is sometimes important because to see yourself through your own eyes and not not monoracially white eyes or monoracially black eyes is such a beautiful thing it's not special it it's not special it's just different right yeah and that's it's, really what it comes down to it's not about glorifying being mixed race right it is about really identifying and seeking that like you said outside of the white gaze right Mm -hmm. because like even as black people when we uphold these things we're still upholding the white supremacy so therefore even as black people we're still looking at blackness through the white gaze exactly i also went through that when i lived in north dakota like dear god uh, I made you look dark skin, right? Like, because it's like literally winter 10 months out of the year. And my skin was so pale. If I showed you pictures of me in my early 20s, I was very, I was like your complexion. Mm-hmm. And I would go to tanning booths, like, and I did this for the two years that I lived there, which gave me, which I actually did probably, it's called sun damage, it's not tanning. Yeah. But it did actually help me get this like two shades because I too did not um, have that experience, right? And I didn't want to be like, my mom is blonde. She's a strawberry blonde. And she had normal brownish, you know, like more like, like hazel eyes. My sister has her eyes. And then my father was like proper black, like I said, as was my grandmother. There were no light-skinned black people in my family. There still are no. And I'm the only mixed person in the and um yeah and um and they are proper irish so they are white as you know like (laughs) white as can be right like Indian nordic um so i didn't so in that like to your point in saying like finding your own identity and validity within that i just found my own beauty right because also we have a different experience i think that that's important to you know like there was this one big TikTok blow up like, oh, I bet they have a white mom, right? Yeah. Because having a black mom in mixed race and then having a white mom in mixed race, there's like so many, it's different. It is different, right? Yeah. Because I didn't have this black woman who knew yeah. who loved on my hair. And my mom loved my hair. This is not saying like my mom 
she took very good care of me as a, as a child. Yeah. But there were no discussions about being black. I grew up socialized as a white woman. Race was so, not a conversation in our home because white people don't usually, it's now they're having these conversations. But back then, it wasn't a conversation to be had because race doesn't affect white people, right? Yeah. So it's like, why would we be having these conversations in that? Yeah. And then, like, my grandmother and my dad passed when I was so young. My dad passed when I was 11. My grandmother passed when I was 13. So when these conversations would have been had, like let's say, you know, as a teen and questioning these things or asking my grand, what's, you know, what was it like growing up in the South in your times, you know, or asking my dad, my dad went to segregated school still. Like he was born wow. in 48, yeah? And like, I only remember my grandmother one time during like Black History Month, they were like showing old clips from like MLK and marches and that. and. She was like, she was sitting there, and I'll never forget, right? Like, and I had to be maybe like 10 or so. Um, and she was sitting in her chair watching the TV, and I was on the bed polishing my nails. And she was like, I remember when I had to cross the street when a white person came. And like, it hit me. I was like, wow, that's wild. But it didn't hit me, hit me yeah, until I was older. And I could not then have the conversation with her, right? Because then imagine her experience, her son, like I said, I'm the first mixed child, her son bringing home the whitest of white women yeah. <laughs> that he could find. Yeah, but it was wild. And the trauma, which yeah. is why I am very keen on, yeah, I'm down for this. Let's, let, let's have a separate identity. Let's have a mix. Because that was not my trauma, right? Like, right. imagine a woman who lived in the South during those times, most likely, hell, her parents were even worse off, right? Like, slavery and those descendants aren't even that far off, especially when you're coming from the South. Mm -hmm. Imagine a woman like that then having to welcome this woman in her home. And she loved my mother dearly, and they were yeah. very, very close. Um, but just thinking about that trauma and those experiences are just not the same because I don't experience white women in that way, you know, because yeah, really I point. love white women, like automatically, like I don't have that. Black women have an automatic, this person is not safe, right? And I don't have that because I had a white mom. No, you're right. I mean, and I think I experienced that to an extent because I grew up around my white family a lot too. So obviously both my parents were born in Liverpool. Yeah. And my, my, in fact, my mum, my mum's family and my dad's family grew up knowing each other as kids. So at my wedding- Oh my God, I'm in love with this. <laughs> so my dad actually, um, my dad's first girlfriend was actually my mum's younger sister. Oh my, my God. Years older than my dad when they were 10, and then she dumped him because he wouldn't kiss her with tongues, right? So they've known <laughs> each other for decades. My mum's youngest brother used to go raving with my dad's oldest sisters. So oh they've known each other forever. So my experience was very unique. I will say, so my mum didn't talk to me much about race, and I think that's because, because of how harrowing it was to be black in, in the UK in the, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. You know, I knew little bits like her, her, she used to sometimes have to wait at the end of the street when her friends were going in to get like their coat, she wasn't allowed in their houses. That actually also happened to me once when I was, um, when I was about 13. Um, my friend said, oh, I, you know, you're my first black friend. I'm really sorry. Like, we're all just going to go in and get my coat. Can you wait here? Like, wow. Um, 
Yeah. So that and so the, and this is what I mean when now in 2021, when people are telling me, <laughs> I don't know what it's like to have a black experience. I understand my black experience is very different, but I also do know I also do know what it's like to have one. Right. In maybe right. in a lot of different ways. Now, similarly, the other side of that coin is what I originally started saying, which is I grew up around white people as well as black people. And I I'm very, very fortunate in that I didn't have the thing of my dad's family hated my mum's my mum because she was black right and unfortunately that's that is the story that a lot of mixed race people have is that you know the white side of their family is racist right. and whereas especially that, in america i'm not sure about the uk but yeah. in america because race is such a contentious issue still right and you know um, i i think it is here too i just think i got lucky actually like i'm definitely don't think that it's better here but my mm. actually my grandparents knew each other right they knew of each other they lived they didn't they lived walking distance from each other and we grew up in south liverpool where you know the the black community in south liverpool it you know is uh it's it's kind of integrated with the white community too so i even though i grew up in like a fairly white area it was like down the road from um granby and toxteth which is where the really old black communities are so the mm. school i went to was like fairly well integrated my friend group had asian people bangladeshi people black people white people mixed race people and so i you know my mum used to go around to my grandparents for new years right she used to like eat cheese and crackers with my granddad in the kitchen so i never really grew i grew up thinking racism was over <laughs> initially mm -hmm. because of how well integrated my family was right that so, is so real that is oh my god i'm so glad yeah like and so yeah. you have this, like, realization yeah. you get into your, you get into the adult world and you're like oh you know, and you feel dumb you feel naive but you so feel yes so and I think that that's another and I'm so sorry to interrupt you but that's okay. another really interesting thing about mixed race privilege because yeah. if you have a family right like because we live our lives in these microcosms these right? bubbles and my family was fine like my, my my like and we were very small too to be fair like um so it was like really just my aunt Deidre and my mom and my aunt Pat um my aunt Mary had lived upstate and my aunt Pat is actually like a best friend like they all grew up together so not biologically my aunt but like we all got on like and it wasn't some you know they knew my grandma my grandma loved them like you know they knew my dad and the biggest issue that they had with my dad was he was um unfortunately he was an addict and an alcoholic and was yeah. abusive to my mom right so like if even if they had a problem with him being black i didn't know do you know what i mean like they more had a problem with his addiction with the other stuff yeah violence, yeah so and then again having that multiple multicultural experience in America, I never felt, I always remember, I love Sade. You, you remind me of her now that I said that. Um, but she has a song where one of the lines is, is she didn't know what it was to be black until he wouldn't touch her hand. And I was like, yes. And that's what happens. Like, especially very often in mixed race families, when you see all of this cohesion, if you happen to have that, you really don't know and you step out into the world and you're like holy shit yeah like it got I got into my early teens and was like oh because and there was because there were certain parts of Liverpool I wasn't allowed to go to like my mum wouldn't speak to me about race but she was like you don't go to Anfield you don't go to so we're northern Liverpool where the football stadiums are historically were a lot more racist right um, and I remember actually having to go, I went for like a school event once and me and my friend who was also a mixed race, but at the time we called each other black, right? Cause mixed race wasn't a real, like an identity then. We went to the shop to get some cigarettes because I was a naughty teen. 
And these young kids, they can't have been older than 10, just started throwing stones at us and calling us the N-word, right? And mm-hmm. that's why, like, oh, like people are evil. And of course, you know racism exists, like you understand it, but in my family, I was just so well shielded, shielded that I felt like racism was the exception. And that's also what white people will teach you too, right? Because yes. white people don't have to deal with or talk about race. So they will say, oh no, it's just some people. It's not us, it's not us, it's yeah. not us. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I so when when we talk about like the unique and specific mixed race experience, that that's why it's different. Now, why why I'll never universally say that mixed race should be the label and the only label is because there is just so much uh, variance when it comes to our experiences. It, this it's so varied that you can be mixed race and only have a black experience, right? It depends mm-hmm. on who you were brought up around, what kind of area you were brought brought up in, and I just I think that. When, when it's when we try and make these these like one size fits all labels that in itself I think is can be a little bit white supremacist and I think particularly if you are not on either end of the racial identity spectrum um, and I know that there is more to race than just white and black but that's what we're, yeah. asking, how we're talking right but if you're not very obviously white or very obviously black and you're somewhere in between then that you know my brother the, the fact that my brother is a boy the fact that he's six foot he's got um darker skin than me and his nose is more like my mom's yeah. he is almost exclusively identified as black um and so I just I, that's the only reason why I feel like you, we can't ever just say like we can say we're mixed race but that doesn't mean that that's going to be our experience like have you read One Drop by Yabba Blay? The one what? One Drop? No. Okay, so it's a book. It's it's really really cool. In fact, I have it right here. Hold on, go on then, so I can show you. Um, so she is from Louisiana actually, and she she is I, I think she's also from Ghana actually, but she grew up in Louisiana and she is a dark skinned monoracial black woman, and um, she obviously one grew drop, up around. What is it? One dropped. She yeah, one dropped the shifting the lens on race. Uh huh. Yeah, Blay. Yeah, it's it is fantastic, and um. She basically interviews uh, mixed race people from all over um, and black people from all over and asks them how they identify what their experience was. And uh, and it's really interesting because some people say like you, I don't identify with race first at all. I, you know, there was somebody that said, actually, I'm Ethiopian and German. I identify as Ethiopian and German. I don't really say mixed race. Um, There is a mixed race guy from Philadelphia who grew up around his white and black family, but his, his white family were the only white people left in the neighborhood after white flight so even his white family were like you're pretty much going to have a black experience like don't, like yeah we we know that you will have a black experience and that's been his experience his whole life and so i feel like now in today's day and age of tiktok and nuance doesn't exist right when people try and so say no like you're this and it's like, you, you kind of have no idea what people are because you don't know what their experience has been we're just making assumptions because we keep trying to treat race as a formula and it's really not. So what's your strategy to it then? Listen to mixed race people. <laughs> I mean, listen to mixed race people, ask them. I think it's, we have, we need to hold each other accountable as mixed race people that we're not A, leaning into white supremacy, B, leaning into colorism, C, trying to make a new race that's special and exclusive. Um, and we're not being oppressive. So even if I hold a racial identity as black, I'm still looking around to make sure I'm not taking up space that's not mine, right? And understanding that my black identity is different to my mom's black identity. Because my my experience as a mixed race person could have been black. There might not be much 
white in my experience or English in my experience. Um, so a mixed race person living in a black neighborhood in Philadelphia, that's, that's only ever been their experience. To force a mixed race label onto them may not make any sense. And I think, but I think this idea, I think because we want to be seen, like there is a, a mixed race TikTok creator and it might be the same one you were talking about. We can, we, when we stop pressing record, we can find let out. Me, no, let me go on and go on and TikTok and I'll make sure I'll let you know who it is, go. Um, who, who talks about one, you know, talks about the mixed race and as if, as if we are all one race of mixed race people. And I just think it's so erroneous. Oh, yes. Different it's the same one, yeah? Like she's like blonde hair, your complexion. Is that yeah. One? Yeah. So this idea it, again it's us just trying to homogenize it us is. just trying to make it simple when it's anything but simple and right. we we do have tribal mentality as humans so we do want to be able to latch on and do in group out group it's it literally in our nature i mean yeah but i think i think we as mixed race people are going to have to be comfortable with actually it not being fixed for us with it not being fluid for us and actually like still being being able to see you even if we have the same racial makeup and if you identify different me being okay with that and still feeling like there are things we can connect on because i just think it's never going to be as simple as this is the label maybe going forward like maybe in a generation or two it will be different maybe the term mixed race will become more normalized because when we when we were kids it didn't exist right maybe in a couple of generations it will um, I, and I'm comfortable with the idea of it changing, but I think right now, it, I just don't think it's realistic. And I think there are too many mixed race people living black experiences and too many mixed race people living mixed experiences. And even there's some mixed race people living white experiences, right? If they present that way. Um, right, I, I think that I wanted to cut you off right there. Is that because like what you were saying, like the wildness of having, of someone who looks more phenotypically white, having to show their parents. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for me, it's almost like, you know, it's going to lead into the, the conversation of transracial eventually. Oh yeah, I know, don't get me started. Right, and I'm like, it's like so, but I almost get it, right? Because it's just like with like, let's just for a second, like with trans identity, right? Like if I said my pronouns are he, him, and I look like this, that should be respected, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is how I feel. And then, so like when people ask and people have asked me like, what do I think about transracial? And I'm like, unless, <clears throat> unless we could dismantle all of the implications of what it means to be black with inside of systems, there's no space for that. Exactly. There's just, there's just not, right? Like you don't get to wake up and be and feel black. Like, because you, no, because you don't get to slide in and out of blackness as long as there are systems that are still here to oppress us, right? 100%. Like, so like with those children, it's, it's, it's like, it saddens me that they have to do that. Like, right? Like, and I say children loosely, these are like <laughs> adults, but I'm like, they could be mine. My eldest is 25, like I said. Um, so like, I'm looking at these 20 somethings, yeah? And they're pulling out pictures. Like, this is my parents and my grandparents and you're going through the lineage. And it's like, sweetheart, it's the system. The yeah. system is the issue. I don't give a shit who you put. I could pull out my DNA test. And my DNA test, ironically, and I actually did a video on that, says 51% Irish. Wow. But look at me. <laughs> no, yeah. You think I'm having an Irish experience, but if we're going to start doing that, and like for me, that then still 
plays into white supremacy, right? And like, we need to break away from that. Like, for me, that's like, these people doing all these DNAs is like legit, like blood quantum that they forced it onto the natives, right? Like, and yeah. no matter what you pull out your ass, you're still going to be adhering to a white supremacist view because- yeah. Because that's the system. Because that's the system that's there. That's what we have, right? So like, for me, I'm loving, with like, yes, no, still be black, but recognize your mixed identity and not mixed identity as in you're fetishizing yourself, right? No, like, no. oh, look at us. We're glorious and mixed. We are the desired ones. We're the acceptable black people. Like, no, actually, I use that um, privilege. And, you know, like you're, you're, you mentioned privilege there when mm -hmm. I asked you for what advice you'd give your past self, right? Like recognizing that we do navigate this system with some type of privilege, right? Yeah. Like people are gonna look at you and your fair skin and your hair type, and they're gonna want to listen to you anyway. Because like you were saying is like, there's also some type of an identity, right? Like that they can identify with you, right? Like if a white person is looking at you, they, yeah. they know there's something in there that you might understand of them, right? So like now you become more palatable. Yeah. And using that privilege, like I recognize because of my conversation, not necessary, not necessarily my looks, because my looks bar me from certain spaces, right? The yeah. colorism that you can get, but my conversation and my my full on identity with whiteness. Like I identify with being Irish wholeheartedly as much as I identify with being black wholeheartedly. Like I'm not like I'm half Irish, I'm half black. Like yeah. I am wholly both of these things existing at the same time. And being that I'm in America, it's not the same as obviously being Irish in Ireland. It is saying I identify also with the white experience, right? Like of growing up in whiteness, growing up surrounded by whiteness, having white conversations, being in white households. And so my proximity to mm -hmm. whiteness is much much different than a black woman yeah. who's monoracial who may look just like me but that's not their lived experiences right? yeah and i think i think that what you said about being both things wholeheartedly at the same time that's the thing because people often accuse me of trying to peddle blood quantum right <laughs> yeah i know it's wild. my narrative and it's like no it's about being the two things in parallel I actually would like to completely move away from from fractions. I think that it's I think it's an it's an invalidation, but it also because of the way genetics work doesn't matter because you can be twenty five percent of something and look fifty percent of something, seventy five percent of something. It it doesn't make any difference because phenotype is not what is not the only thing that determines what we are as mixed race people. Which no. is why again I feel like. The rules are there are no rules, right? Not not to quote the Matrix. Um, no, but, but it's like, true. It's but, how we break away from these systems. Is there are no rules. You get to self identify and be mindful of the systems that are at play. But yeah. you should be able to self identify because it's that. I mean, that said, sure. that in itself is a privilege. Like I don't. It doesn't go. Uh, it's not lost on me that having a fluid racial identity or having ones to pick from, right? is like, of course it's a privilege because I was speaking to my friend about it the other day and she was like, well, my racial identity is, is fixed. I'm like, mine's fluid. I'm black all of the time, of course. Like, so, and I also understand like, particularly in America, if all, like you said, if all of your other cultural and ethnic uh, identifiers have been stripped away as they have, then social construct or not, black is the label that you have. 
And so the idea that we are encouraging people to move away from a system, a label system, which for some people, black, if black is the label, is you, like everything else has been stripped, dignity, culture, history. And now we're saying no longer identify as black. Like I understand why people are reluctant to do that, right? Like it's easier for me to say that, knowing that I have- Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because yeah, it is in and of itself a privilege. And I'm not stripping away black because back to what you were saying about black erasure is that's what would happen and that's not fair and it's not fair to our ancestors who paved the way in making black something so amazing something mm -hmm. so culturally rich something so beautiful whilst whiteness said we were not that right so like i would never erase the blackness that i am because there's a story in being black as well and there is a culture with being black as well but i do think that like you said it's just holding those multiple truths and i and that nuance is so important right like it doesn't make me not something because you want it to not be yeah. like it just it just is what it is and like kind of moving through those spaces and i do want to wind it down a bit because like i love this conversation but i know that you have things to do mm -hmm. and at this point my children are getting fancy so. <laughs> i did want to let me see um i wanted to make sure that we got some resources for people to um reach you and i'm going to add the resources that you i love this one drop i'm definitely going to read it um mm -hmm. But how would people find you? Because your videos are inspiring. Oh, your message is necessary. And I'd like to do this conversation again, like, and talk more about the fluidity and the privilege mm -hmm. of being mixed race how about in that, that kind of way. Yeah. Because there's just so much to talk about, right? Um, there's so much. I mean, we could do this weekly, my love. We could honestly, yeah, I, no, I like, because... We could do it again for sure. And I just want to say, like, I'm so moved. Like, I can't express how moved I am that you even have anything nice to say about my little videos. <laughs> because... Um, <laughs> Because I literally, I only started doing this, what, six, eight weeks ago and did not expect anybody to care or I thought that everybody would just tell me to shut up and sit down. So to, uh, to have had other mixed race people and other black people come and, and like say, keep speaking or we see you or I like, it's so beautiful to me. And I'm, I was so completely honored and surprised that you asked me to be on your podcast. So I'm very, very grateful. Um, honestly, like oh, I can't thank do enough you. of that. But, Honestly, thank you for being here and the work that you're doing. All of these conversations are so necessary, right? Like they just really are, and especially for future generations. Because I look at my own children who are not going to have the same experience as I did. But it's so important for me. My mom has passed, right? And I don't have friends um, on my mom's side. So it's so important for me to hold a mixed race identity to not get lost into the systems that white supremacy have created and now they're just black. And not that there's anything wrong with being just black, it's just, I don't wanna erase my mother. Either. No, I agree, they, they should be neutral terms. And this is the thing, isn't it? Like, I know we're wrapping up, but I mean, my no, mum my, my has passed, my nana has passed, right? By the time I was 15, I'd lost them both. So I have no direct connection to my, to, to my Ghanaian heritage, right? Yeah. And my and my husband is white, 
um, which every time I mention on TikTok, I'm just waiting for people to just come for me and tell me that I'm not, I'm, I'm no longer a black person now. My black side is gone. My, my yeah, husband is white. I'm sure about to be white now. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is it. I'm like ready to fight for them. And I, like the idea that my mum will be erased because it's too complicated for people to understand that they, my children will be mixed race despite yes. how they present. Like I, it's not my fault that that's complicated for other people. And that's part of the reason why I want to have these conversations, not just for myself, for my kids, for other people's kids, for teenagers who are growing up being told they're white passing and they're not, right? Yeah. Um, it, because everybody's just trying to make this as convenient as possible and it's not convenient. Um, it's not. And it's okay to get uncomfortable. And I didn't right. even know that about your grandmother. I knew your mom passed because of your IG. But yeah, so exactly those same reasons why I love the fact that you're having those conversations yeah. because that is just so much easier just to tick a box now you know you're already a fair presenting person and like as genetics go most likely more than more than not you know like we know the odd circumstance where someone mm -hmm. is fair with a white person will have a darker baby but more than likely it, yeah. it, it's gonna get washed out yeah like complexion wise yeah. phenotype but does that stop the culture? It no, that's what I mean. They will still be culturally, culturally Ghanaian and British, right? Yeah. Racially, we'll find out when we meet them. Who knows? Because mm -hmm. you just, you know, I always use Tandy Newton's kids as an example because she's mixed race and her husband is white and her kids yeah. are lighter than her but still look mixed race, right? You just don't know. Who knows? We'll find yeah, out. You never know. But, um, but no, but... Yeah, if you're going to ask me to plug myself, I have to plug somebody else first. I hope that's okay. No, I, please do. Like, no, 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 go ahead. Um, so I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Mixed Bloom Room course. Um, so you can follow Sarah Lotus Garrett uh, at Mixed Bloom Room on Instagram. So her course, she runs a course for mixed adults to explore their racial identity. She holds space for them. To, to for us to explore our racial identity. She also holds courses for monoracial parents of mixed race children, which oh I think God. is super important work. And she always says that she's actually running the adults courses so that hopefully one day, sorry, that the, she holds the parents courses in the hope that she'll never need to run the adults courses because parents will do the work in advance for their kids. What, what she does is so revolutionary and I would not have had the confidence to make the content I make without going on that course she allowed me to she create she creates a space for mixed race people that allows them to deal with all their pain all of the beauty all of the complications and it's it's really a, it's really a service for us all because i feel like my black friends and family don't need to hear me moaning about my mixed race woes all the time like she's created a space for us to be able to do that with each other right um and it enabled me to honestly see myself through my own eyes for the first time so yeah mixed bloom room is is a huge um like it's just a really really cool platform she she is a, a qualified life coach yeah sure. very, very cool. um but otherwise people can find me at every damn daily daily is spelled d-a-l-e-y <laughs> i love puns <laughs> I love, I love that. <laughs> so yeah, come find me. Come talk to me on TikTok. Come disagree with me if you want. I'm not open. I don't shut down everybody that disagrees with me. I like I like a differing opinion. You can find me at Every Damn Daily on everything. Daily is spelled D-A-L-E-Y. 
And yeah, come talk to me on TikTok. I don't block people that disagree with me. I welcome it, in fact, because so much of what I talk about is how our perspectives are completely different depending on where we live. So I try my best to follow people, even if I don't always agree with them, because if we're based at different points around the globe, surely our, our racial identities are going to be different. So come talk to me, come disagree with me. Um, no hate, though, like no hate. But um, yeah, come join the conversation. Absolutely love that. And they should definitely follow you on TikTok because not only is the conversation necessary, your delivery is so beautiful. And like you said, it's not it's not in that I am the authority sort of way, right? It's like literally and I'm drawn to that because that's that's also my goal and intention that people hear me in that way, right? Like it's just like let's disarm and let's have some really real conversations because we've become so lazy and, and it's so violent to be that reason to just tick a box or to just not see where all of us are just interconnected in mm -hmm. so many different ways, right? When we're seeing things through like this oppression Olympics or like a ladder yeah. of oppression, we're not seeing the humanity in people. And that is an absolute upholding of white supremacy and colonization is to not see the humanity in another person. Exactly. So even if we don't get to an agreement or a space or a box, I would love to see the day where at least my children or grandchildren see a day where these are not even conversations. Like, it's just, hi, my name is Desiree. Hey, Daily, nice to meet you. Mm -hmm. And like, no one asks, what are you? What's your mom? What's your dad? What, like, why is this important, right? Like, I'd love to see a borderless world. And like, we get back to what we used to be culturally, where it was literally just our culture and at most our nations, right? Like, you're not having That would be my ideal world is having these conversations until we recognize how obnoxious it really is to force people into boxes. 100%. And so, it is just about taking the time to have those chats. And it's not, it's not for everybody. Not everybody has to do it. I think being a person of color doesn't make you, you know, obligated to, you know, instruct people or educate yeah. people. But if you can, if you have the time, um, I'm, I spent my I spent the better part of my life more more time than I would care to admit thinking about racial identity and racial identity for mixed race people that it's something I genuinely enjoy talking about yeah. um, and that for me there is just so much to say um, my husband and my cousins and everybody are very patient with me because I'm always like thoughts are always popping up um, but but no I, I really really appreciate more than I can convey sincerely like how um, how much I appreciate you giving me the time of day. My God, it's very, and I really like what you're, you know, you're talking about ancestral healing and um, and that as a concept, I think is really beautiful, especially as somebody who's lost um, my mom, my grandma, right? Um, and yeah. you think about, I, you know, I heard part of the podcast you did talking about, you know, ep epigenetics and, and things like that and the things that we carry with us um, and the work that we can do to heal backwards yeah. too, right? and finding a way to stay connected and that has been something really beautiful like decolonizing my mindset the way I think about spirituality um yeah. has enabled me to connect with my my Ghanaian side right and that's actually something I'm doing because I'm also oh I love that um and because I'm this makes Ghanaian. my heart so warm <laughs> stay there for a second because it is so that is so necessary 
it because really it's freaky, it's the energy work to break it right like we could we could dismantle the social constructs right but that would take much longer right because now you're talking about laws yeah. and rules and that right but when we're doing the energy work of that healing that can be exponential that can happen yeah. right away that's right then and like for me it's the faster way to it because systems are only predicated on agreements and yeah. if we break away from those we start making new agreements right like there will come a point where if we can decolonize our minds bodies and souls that the system can't even stand because we just no longer agree because we're not even looking for boxes to be put in like no and we are getting back to for me that is the healing space is for you to identify as Ghanaian and english and not have to be black or mixed race because none of those concepts are real they are created in a system of oppression and once we break those right once you decolonize, you will start seeing like, why do we have borders? Why are we not allowed to just travel? Why do people need visas, right? Like that's all like, it's all like this real oddity of scarcity. And when you think about the people that own the countries, really that like, you, how do you own land? How do you own a country? And, that, and that's, there's so much to decolonize there. And it does start in the mind, you're right. And one of the things that came out of my Bloom Room work, um, yeah. Sarah talks about ways to connect to your culture, to, you know, beyond race, because it's not just, you know, there is so much more to life than race. Um, and actually, okay. does your racial identity have to matter if you're connected, if you're, you know, you're connected to your culture? It doesn't. Whatever that may be. And um, one is, so one yeah. of the things on my list, my to-do list, um, is that I want to learn more about Irish spirituality, because obviously I'm part Irish and Ghanaian so so pre pre-colonial right because obviously England yeah. also colonized Ireland who were who were the Irish spiritually pre pre-England who, who I would honestly Irish? love to stay connected with you personally and I could totally help you because oh my I, god I would love that that would be yeah amazing. I move in the realm of my Celtic magic so like when I do so I call myself a Christian like literally we need a weekly talk show um but like <laughs> When I do my work, right? Like, so I started like, I'm like, okay, who am I? What am I? Cause yes, I do. When I do my decolonization work, cause I do have the ancestral healing um, group. I remind people like what the people you call white now were colonized first, right? Like they were yeah. Europeans. Like when we speak about the, like, I don't even celebrate St. Patrick's Day anymore when I decolonize, right? Because when they, when they speak about praising St. Patrick, who's a Brit, um, who casted out the snakes, they were literally talking about the Irish. They were yeah. talking about kicking the Irish out of their own land and bringing colonization over and the British way of life, right? Like, I mean, Britain is still in occupied Northern Ireland, right? Like it's like, it's yeah. still happening. Yeah, and, and wreaking havoc. Did you, and this is so left field, but did you watch American Gods? No. Okay, so I'm a TV junkie. That's that's okay. who I am when I'm not talking about race. But um, so American Gods is based on the Neil Gaiman book, which I haven't read, but it's basically all of the characters are like ancient gods who are trying to figure out ways to be worshipped since uh, Christianity basically colonized religion, right? So there's like Norse gods and whatever. 
But there is this leprechaun character, he's a leprechaun, who has forgotten who he is and who he was, was a god, wow. a Gaelic god, right? Yes. Pre but yes. it, he, he was colonized so severely and made into a leprechaun. So leprechauns and sprites were who the, the English made Irish gods into, to trivialize. Yes. Right? And I, like, that, okay, we, we're, because, like, this will be three hours. But, like, I'm always amazed, like, even within spirituality, like, the way people, like, play around with the fairy. And I'm like, you have no idea how powerful the fae are. I need you guys to just, like, decolonization is my jam. Like, because it's like, stop. Yeah. I need you to just pause everything you're doing. Just stop. Just stop. Decolonize and let's start again. Because once you decolonize, once you remove that energy from your life, you become so liberated that your life, you want other people to be liberated too. Because you just cannot, you start seeing everyone's oppression from colonization, right? Like, because it goes beyond racism, it goes beyond class, it goes, it is absolutely, it serves no one. Colonization is the worst thing that happened to every gender, every, what we now call race, every culture, every nationality. It has been absolutely the worst thing. And we all need to get back to pre-colonial time. You just need to. Because yeah. then these conversations won't even be needed, right? Like, because like I said, like it would erase mixed race, it would erase black, it would erase, um, right. not even like erase, like do away with, like give you back. I tell people, especially like when I have clients and that, I was like, it's not about the creation of something new, right? It's about remembering who you once were. There's an inner knowing to who you were. I'm just guiding you to that space. It is something that has been forgotten, not something that needs to be created. You know, like when you're working with, you know, your Ghanaian roots, like make the food, right? Yes. Like connect, eat the food, eat with your hands. Yeah, refuse but. to use utensils, right? Like even that, like colonization, even that, like I allow my children to eat with their hands because at one point in time we were savages because we did. Even and though even though eating with your hands has its own rules, it's right. it has its own etiquette. That's the thing. Um, yeah, and it's that's, that's exactly it. But no, you're but right. We, so could talk, we could talk, we could talk all night, I think. I think. But you know, and I love you. I love you. No, this, really this, like you. when you like you meet somebody and you know, like you you just see each other, you click. I think this has been very cool. And if you end up having to split the podcast in two, I won't be mad. Or like you take bits and we'll fill it in with another podcast at another time to make it whole. That's nope. totally fine. I'd make it one long one that everybody could just like sit down and enjoy, and they could take it as they want. Okay. Or maybe no, but um but no we should talk about I, i'm more than happy if there's if there's other stuff you want to talk about with me i'm so down like we can do this again in a month or whatever like that would be very cool um, i would love that 